What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. It is Thursday, so you know what that means. Steve Denovi and I do our Two White Lights March Madness matchup breakdowns. College basketball March Madness might be over, but it's not over in the powerlifting world. We are talking about the best of the best. We are debating the elite of the elites, and when that happens, it gets contentious, it gets heated, and it got a little heated in the Two White Lights comment section on who should move on, who shouldn't move on. We have to maybe explain the criteria once more just to make sure everyone's on the same page, uh, especially in the comment section. But the disagreements between Steve and I are prevalent in this episode. We talk about the fans voting. We talk about our opinions on it as well. And we know we said these episodes might be getting a little shorter, but... Not this one, because we really break down these matchups on who moves on to the next rounds. People might disagree with it. People might agree with it. People might get upset. People might get happy. It was a fun time doing this. It always is. Offering a spotlight on Raw Nationals and spotlighting the major storylines that's going to happen at USAPL Raw Nationals. So be sure to listen to the matchups, every single one of them. And next week, we're talking about the finals of the men's and females uh, region. So get excited for that. We also discuss the new IPF rule changes that could have major implications for USAPL and IPF lifters who are deciding to do untested meets. So Arian Kamisi posted on a story that lifters who do international federations can still serve a ban for regional and national level meets, and that could also mean USAPL Raw Nationals. Steve Denobi does an excellent job of breaking down the rule change, what exactly it means, the implications, why the rule change happens, because we debunk a lot of myths that were coming out from this, hopefully clear the air on some of the confusion that was going on, and from my understanding, further developments that we were not completely aware of, because we literally got this information like 15 to 20 minutes before we hit record, um, that, yes, the these rules can affect the people who are competing at the showdown and possibly gives them a 12-month suspension for meets, including USAPL Raw Nationals. So we discuss that. We try to clear up some of the air. There's probably going to be further developments, probably more on a Two White Lights page as far as uh, what this rule means for certain lifters, but definitely big big news in the powerlifting world so definitely listen to that remember guys we got timestamps for this stuff so if you want to listen to certain things first and maybe save some for later we got the timestamps on spotify and apple Podcasts. really fun jam-packed episode of two white lights today but before we get into this jam-packed episode got to talk to you guys about leflar bros ladies and gentlemen go to leflarbros.com follow them on instagram i've been getting a whole lot of compliments on the comp tee. I am telling you, the comp tee that Leflar Bros have is the best comp tee, best looking comp tee for sure, in powerlifting right now. I'm not even exaggerating, because I don't know a apparel company that releases comp tee that look so goddamn nice. I love the original one that they had with the black and gold, and I definitely love the cotton candy looking designs. I call it the Miami Vice. And they also have incredible apparel that you can wear in the gym and out in public. They all look terrific. 
you can take a little sneak peek if you go and follow them on Instagram. Also, you can save yourself some money if you go to leftlarbros.com and use promo code 2WL15 at checkout. Use that promo code and you can look damn good real quick and especially in the powerlifting world because all their designs relate to powerlifting, strength sports in some way and they are also doing so much to help the powerlifting community. I'm going to tend to meet that they are one of the sponsors of Lieutenant Surge Power meet coming up and they also have you know a lot of other meets that they're supporting as well and supporting the powerlifting community and also getting some questions about this you can get two white lights merchandise on left floor bros as well apparently my ad reads aren't getting to a lot of people remember two white lights merch is on leftlawbros.com and you can use that same promo code 2wl15 to get exclusive two white lights merchandise that is only sold on leftlawbros.com so make sure you are doing that also go to rivalist.net Use promo code ANGELO15 to get yourself some informed choice supplements. Use that promo code at checkout, ANGELO15, to get yourself informed choice supplements from pre-workout protein, branched amino acids. They got you covered. That informed choice label is important for all you natty lifters out there. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I love stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. It is, in my opinion, the best gear out there. I love the knee sleeves, the singlet, the wrist wraps. Use promo code ANGELO10 at checkout to save yourself some money on Stoic Gear. Also, make sure you are visiting Notorious Lift and make sure you are following them on Instagram. No slip drip is a real thing. The best deadlift slippers out on the market right now. They are also the best looking deadlift slippers on the market. And you do not want to miss out on the drop. Because remember, you can't go on NotoriousLift.com and get whatever you want at all times. It doesn't work that way. you got to be on those drops really quick. They're about to release a new maroon color. And it'll be a shame if that maroon color fits your gym attire and your platform attire so well that you miss out on the drop. So go on their Instagram page, find out how to sign up for their newsletter, and be on those drops because those things sell out quick. They sell out super quick. We're talking Arnold registration quick. We're talking about 2021 Raw Nationals quick. It's actually it's probably a little bit faster than that too because those things sell out in like two to three minutes. Get on those drops and make sure you get yourself some no-slip-drip notorious lift slippers. Also, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review as well, and you can also listen to us on twowhitelights.com. So we give you three options to listen to Two White Lights. Be sure to subscribe and follow on each and every one of them. Show that you support Two White Lights. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, April 8th. Uh, March Madness might be over in college basketball, but Two White Lights March Madness is still going strong, Steve Denobi. Yeah, alive and well, and we're getting into some 
very hot battles now. There's no, there's no more. I mean, every single one of these lifters is the best. I mean, in their weight class, arguments could probably be made for every single one of these lifters to be the best in the world. And so we're getting down to the nitty gritty of who truly beats. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's not going to be like Baylor-Gonzaga, where that was a fucking blowout. These are all going to be very close on the fans voting, the two white lights voting, the opinions, the debates between Steve DeNovi and myself. And you know what? The comments were alive this week on the two white lights page. Uh, when we released those brackets, there was more debate than I've ever seen on the two white lights page. And you guys know if there's debate going on on two white lights, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. Toxic or not toxic, I love debates. Uh, I mean, I have a pod, powerlifting podcast where I debate things with people and get my yeah. hot takes out there. It seemed like in the earlier rounds, it was the guys kind of going at each other and the ladies were just all about, oh, I, it's awesome that we're all included. It was the ladies getting at it in this one. Mm-hmm. It's starting. It was getting a little bit more contentious and um, debating of the Amanda versus Bonica and Heather versus Daniela matchups. Yeah. Kind of true to actual college basketball because some of the women's uh, the women's games were a little bit more close, a little bit more fierce than some of the men's games in college basketball too. So I don't know. It's kind of like mimicking March Madness, the actual March Madness in college basketball. But I think with the comments, we always have to do this. We have to re-explain some of the criteria to people because particularly on Amanda Lawrence, Bonica Brown, we were seeing some of Bonica's past accolades, which, again, if we were doing a best of all time, most prestigious, most decorated, Bonica is going against Jen Thompson in the finals, and Bonica is winning, if we're doing an all-time bracket. But this is not an all-time bracket. It's who we believe and who the fans believe is going to be the best lifter of 2020, uh, 2021 Raw Nationals, men and women. Those past accolades in the consideration, but as if you've been listening to these, that's more of a tiebreaker. That's mm-hmm. more of, okay, we can't decide between two lifters. Okay, what's their past performance like? How's their meet the execution? Have they competed at this kind of stage before? IPF World Draw Nationals. But our goal isn't to know who's like who is the best lifter who won Worlds in 2019. Our goal is like who is the best lifter going into 2021 Raw Nats based on what we see of meet performances that are having more recency as well as the training leading into it. So if you haven't competed since 2019, it's, it's, it's a little bit tough to get an idea of kind of where someone's at. Um, or if you don't post any of your list, it's kind of tough to get an idea of where they're at. Our, our goal isn't to figure out who was the best in 2019. It's who is the best in 2021. Um, and that's where there's an argument between Amanda and Bonica. Because if, if not, if, if this was best lifter of all time, Bonica wins this fairly easy. Amanda's got one national or yeah, one national title and one IPF Worlds, that doesn't even compare to Bonica, but we're not arguing that. We're trying to argue who's going to be better at 2021 Raw Nats. Yeah, and really, you know, let's start there then. Let's start there with uh, with Bonica and Amanda Lawrence, because what I think happened here is this. We posted on our story, as we do with the fans voting, and they saw the heavy lead that Amanda Lawrence built on fan voting, which I would agree with Bonica Brown fans or people who voted for Bonica Brown's I don't think it was, it was, I think it was something crazy, like over 80% of the vote went to Amanda Lawrence. This is another thing where I'm going to disagree with the two white lights voters, just in the amount of margin that it was between these two lifters. Uh, if you know Bonica Brown and if you know Amanda Lawrence, you would know that it should be much closer. There should be an actual debate going on between these two lifters on 
who is going to be the best lifter at 2021 Raw Nationals. Um, both Amanda Lawrence had a one seed, Bonica Brown had a two seed, so that means if you have that seeding, you're going to be, you know, relatively favorited going forward. Uh, and this is, we're going to have our start in the notorious lift region here. So, Steve Denovi, what did you think about some of the fans voting? And two, uh, how do you see this up playing, how do you see this up playing between uh, Lawrence and Brown? Yeah, so I, I agree. The fan voting's too far off for how close these two lifters should be. We, we've kind of discussed in past matchup, matchups that Amanda w- was kind of far out in front of the people she's faced prior to this. And nothing against the lifters she went against, but I think everyone saw Amanda Lawrence and they knew, okay, crap, she's going to win. This one's not as much of that. Like, you're going against someone who's one of the greatest lifters of all time and is still one of the greatest. It's not like I she would. Keeps. I would it's say she, this is like what Amanda Lawrence would strive to be is yes. Bonica Brown. By the time she's Bonica Brown's age in powerlifting, which is not, she's still in her early 30s. So by the time she's there, she would love to even have close to the same accolades as uh, Bonica does. Yeah, and, and Bonica's, you can't say she's peaked and now in the decline. Like, this isn't a Ray Williams situation where Ray obviously lost to Perkins, and that was a lot because he had kind of peaked. He's been on the decline. We hope he peaks again, but he definitely has. And we don't have any knowledge that's going to happen. Monica's still increasing. Um, we have talked about how her raw total in her last couple meets wasn't up to par, but it's hard to say if that's like because she's not doing well. Because the fact is, her equipped total has been the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Now, with that though, she hasn't competed since November of 2019, so that's where it's tough. We don't have much much recency with Monica to know kind of how her training's going. Uh, I think for both of us, we've had people reach out that said, don't sleep on Bonica. Things are going really well. Yeah. So because of that, I have to assume she's going to come in and have a very good chance to PR her total, which it looks like uh, 1488 is her best. She did that at the five bar showdown in 2018. So she could go 1500. That's very, very possible. Looking at Amanda Lawrence, she went 1424. Um, obviously, she has a high in the sense of good lift points, in the sense of um, how much further she's ahead of her own competition. I mean, she's probably going to out-total second place by by maybe almost 100 kilos, I think. Yeah. Um, if Yeah, it might be almost 100 kilos. For Bonica, there's some people a little bit closer to her. She might out-total by 20, 30, 40 kilos, but she has a little bit more competition in foot where Amanda's just kind of far out. Uh, that's kind of where it's tough. Like, um, if... We knew Amanda was going to out-total Bonica, which if we look at the most recent meet, she did. But if we knew that and we, we, like, we knew Bonica could not come in and be able to beat 1424 and Amanda could, this would be a pretty easy decision. But from everything we've heard, even though we haven't seen much training from Bonica, we've heard that she's doing really well. So I assume she can beat 1488 or at least match it, which means she's going to probably have the biggest total of the meet. And then it's an argument a little bit more off of kind of dominance within their weight class and pound-for-pound ranking in the sense of their relative strength. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it becomes difficult is Bonica right now is easily head and shoulders the best 84-plus lifter on the planet right now. And Amanda Lawrence is head and shoulders the best 84-kilo lifter right now too. And it comes down to who is best in the pound-for-pound setting and whose meat is going to be more impressive. Now, this is where the debate gets closer for me, because I guess if you give me a uh, one of those one of those uh, those blind tests just uh, or those blank those blank sheets of who the best lifter is, I'm probably going to say Amanda Lawrence. But based on what you know of Bonica and Amanda Lawrence performance wise, 
it becomes a little closer because Amanda Lawrence, in spite of her most recent meet where she killed it, she absolutely dominated arguably the best female performance of all time uh, when you take into consideration good lift points, Wilkes, total, all that. She kind of, you know, sweeps it there. Prior to that, she had difficulties putting together successful meets. Uh, IPF Worlds is great for her. Raw Nationals in 2019 wasn't great, still able to win by a considerable margin, but still wasn't the best meet for her. And even when I had Joey Flex on the show, that was the thing. She got coaching from Joey Flex because she wanted to go 9 for 9, and she wanted to have successful meets repeatedly. When you look at Bonica, that doesn't happen. She's an executioner on the platform. She's fantastic on the platform. And... If you're going to take them into 2021 Raw Nationals, I would say I would have to trust the veteran, the veteran dominance of Bonica Sense. Mm-hmm. But the one, thing I'll, the one thing I'll say to rebuttal, and this is kind of why this is more of an argument, is because Bonica's last two meets that were Raw at Worlds and at Nationals, she went five for nine and six for nine. Hmm. So up until then, it looks like she was it was nine for nine, many many meets in a row. I wonder though, because like I said, I think I think from what I know, there isn't like a decline. I don't I don't think she was injured there because her equip totals were great. So one, she may have just been focusing on her equip total. Two, I wonder to an extent, like. Did she feel she had any pressure to perform? That's kind of what I was thinking, is she's not being pushed by anyone in her weight class. And that does happen. I mean, I would argue at times it happens to Amanda Lawrence, right? I mean, this is a complete speculation thing. This is just my opinion on on this uh, situation. But Amanda Lawrence, when it came down to it against Daniela Mello, she had to execute her lifts, and she did that. That was head-to-head competition. And it was very close between them still. But it was head-to-head competition. There was some motivation there to do that. Then in this meet, I know for a fact that lifters, especially like Amanda Lawrence, these high-level lifters, here's some of the criticisms that they can get. She came out to something. She came out with something to prove at her last meet, and she did it. She proved a lot of people wrong because there's a lot of people questioning if she can have consecutive meets or if she can replicate the numbers she has on the gym on the platform, and she did that. And now you kind of translate it to Bonica's situation. Now there seems to be a little bit of a rivalry between Amanda Lawrence claiming that she's going to out-total her at Sheffield, Bonica taking offense to that, and possibly putting together this total that's going to be much better than the Bonica Brown that we've seen. But I could use the same argument with Amanda Lawrence. Yeah, I think Amanda Lawrence had some fuel. Like she seems like a very motivated person. I'm not saying Bonica isn't, but like you just alluded to, it's not all love between them. Apparently, I, I believe this is a public thing that was mentioned on another podcast that Monica wasn't like super thrilled with Amanda in saying she was going to out total her at the Sheffield. I, I can see a spark in Monica to come back and make sure that doesn't happen, which would be awesome. That would be great to see both of them having like a interweight class rivalry. Yeah. Pushing each other when we know kind of within their own weight class, they're, they're not quite getting pushed as much. So, um, I, I that it, that would be super cool to see. I mean, like who's going to have the top total? And I think if Bonica, Bonica comes in at one hundred percent and is 
is motivated to do that, I mean, she's going to probably do that. I mean, she's done 1488. That would be a lot for Amanda to add, even though it's plausible. That would be a lot to add yeah. on a national at a national meet. So I, I don't expect that. I would think Monica is going to have that top total. But then we get, we're not talking about top total, though. If we were talking about that, Jesus wins the guy's side, Monica wins the woman's side. It's not the heaviest total. It's about the best lifter in relation to their weight class. And I don't know if there's a lifter who's going to dominate their weight class to the degree Amanda will. She's probably going to double the margin of anyone else beating anyone else in their weight class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the we... We try not to use the whole good lift points and the total things in our arguments, but when you have the highest good lift points of all time, that's where we start. We need to use that in an argument, and she does. She has that between females and males. She is queen on top of the good lift points thing, so that means pound for pound wise, historically, she is. She has one of the best performances of all time. Um, and I, I will say, on a competitor's standpoint, that spark does matter because there. It is actually very easy to become complacent when you don't have anyone pushing you. It happens not in powerlifting, but in every single sport. When you don't have anyone pushing you, you're there's no reason to really improve upon yourself. That yeah, could happen in Amanda Lawrence and Monica Brown's case. Pushing you is that is that contract year. We see people have career years, so it's not like in sports where we got contract years where people are going to perform. But yeah, I think for both of them. They're in, in, in a three-way battle. There's Daniela and Amanda pushing each other, and Amanda and Monica pushing each other. I don't. I don't think Daniela and Monica seem to have a rivalry. I'm not as far as I know. They don't have any kind of. Real I was I was unaware that Amanda Lawrence and Monica Brown possibly had a rivalry until this episode. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't keeping up to date with uh, my power insider info. Us. Our reporters out in the field let us know about this, so yeah. appreciate that. And hopefully, um, hopefully, our insider reporters give us valid information. That's factual uh yeah. because we we run a tight ship here at two white lights okay we are we take our as joe sullivan puts it we take our journalism very seriously at two white lights we're both documented we went to big j journalist schools me and steve denovi are bur- both serious journalists on this so we try to have all of our stuff to be factual but we are to powerlifting journalism and data-driven strength powerlifting yes Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't aware, and th- th- those kind of things do help competitors. I know that, and especially with high-level competitors like Bonica and Amanda Lawrence. But for me, like I've been doing a lot of this, this uh, with this March Madness thing, is momentum. Is momentum you build into the meet and what I've seen from you recently. Amanda Lawrence's most recent meet was the best female performance of all time. And... I would be stupid to think she can at least match that. I think she's going to match that. Going above that, there's some debates. But I think matching that, I think she can do. And if she can match that performance, can Bonica put something together that surpasses that type of performance? I don't know. What would Bonica have to? What would Bonica have to do in order to surpass that type of performance? Not on good lift points, just based on relative records that she has. So on relative records that he could push past an Amanda Lawrence all-time good lift record. I would probably say, for me to say, crap, wow, Bonica actually had a more impressive meet than Amanda. If Amanda goes 14-24, I probably would want to see 
1525 to 1550 from Bonica. I'm just looking at the gaps in totals. Like if we're going totals and how they increase in these weight classes, I, I would want to see I, I want to see Bonica probably out total Amanda by 100 pounds, 50 kilos, or okay. 40 45 kilos. All right. So then, so then that leads to this question: Do you see her doing that? I can't say I'm as confident seeing Bonica do that as I'm confident in Amanda repeating 1424, and that goes over exactly what you said. We haven't seen Bonica. We have Bonica's best meets from 2018. Yes. If she had competed and she had put up 1500, and we saw that, I could possibly see myself voting Bonica, but since we don't have any of that, I'd have to go with Amanda. Yeah, and that's really where this argument, you know, kind of kind of ends with me as well. Is just that momentum that Amanda Lawrence has built and her putting together this all-time performance, I can't see her going below that. I really can't. Uh, I could see her matching it. Like that, that's kind of that's kind of my thing with Amanda Lawrence is can she put together consecutive meets? That's the big thing. But now when you total something like that, I think the confidence there to at least match that. And again, if you match that performance, you're talking about you know repeating all-time performances, which is huge. And it would take something crazy from Bonica to really do that. Now, will I be surprised if that happens? No, but if I'm going to, you know, be the person that I am and tell people what I think is going to happen, I think Amanda Lawrence has a better chance of putting on this performance where she is the best lifter in 2021 Raw Nationals about Bonica, which is is quite the statement because we're talking about the GOAT. Like, I just got a person uh, messaging me of uh, Bonica, you know, whether or not you, it's like, so do you believe she's the best female lifter of all time? Absolutely. I do believe in the USAPL and IPF, that is my choice for GOAT, is Bonica Brown. All time, it is, I, 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 who do you say? Kim Walford. I was thinking you would say that, 1A and 1B, when you're talking about the best lifters of all time, we could have a debate separately about that. Bonica's my choice. But Kim is a terrific choice that I really can't. It's like Michael Jordan and LeBron. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't from Chicago, if I wasn't from Chicago, what's up? LeBron's garbage. That's yeah, not really Exactly. Yeah, see? If, completely overrated. Yeah. player. I won't give him any credit. Yeah, see, now we have two guys who have Illinois connections here that, like, that debate comes a little bit more contentious for us. But, yeah, when you take in their considerations, like, both their careers – it's hard to distinguish between the two who's the best basketball player of all time. I think the same thing with Bonica and Kim. Uh, but this is not that. It's not debating who's the GOAT of female powerlifting. It's who's going to have the best performance at Raw 2021 Raw Nationals. And I I would love to do an upset here. I really would. Because if someone deserves an upset, it's Bonica. But if I'm just going to have to bet on something, if I'm going to have to give my reasonable opinion on something, I'm going to have to go with Amanda Lawrence. Amanda's got my vote. She's got the fan vote. That was just going to be a tough one to beat with Amanda's most recent meet. I mean, that was probably, I'd argue her and Keiko had the biggest statement meets of the year. Yeah. I would I would go Atwood on that too, but yeah. I would. Oh, well, I, the thing with, yeah, I, I agree with Atwood, but he was already the GOAT. Like, yeah. So, yeah. True. But I consider that. that yeah. Was, All yeah. right. That makes I, sense. I that too. Yeah. Atwood too. But, yeah. I, um, yeah, that would make sense. I would put them both, those three up there, and then obviously I had Roska in, in, that, in that conversation too. But 
Yeah, and all those and all those people have had very like high rankings and high performances on this Mark Madness bracket. But uh, we also had someone message <laughs> comment. He's like, "How can Atwood lose? Or how did Keiko lose Atwood? Keiko never threw his deadlift at the top." I'm like, "Very true. <laughs> yep. Very true. Can't argue against that. That's a point for Keiko in that one." But yes, uh, yeah, I think I think having Amanda Lawrence move on. Uh, I both. I both think both of the world of these uh, these two lifters, but yeah, I, I would have to agree with the fans to an extent. I still think that vote was disrespectful in a lot of ways. Uh, just the heavy landslide that it was winning by, where yeah, uh, I think uh, popularity came into uh, question there. But I, I would still have to say that Amanda Lawrence is uh, moving on to the the finals of the females bracket. So uh, we'll get to the next. We'll get to the other female matchup next but our very next one we got in the stoic region ashton rouska and russ Ori. um this yeah, this this one was actually one. based on fans voting i was kind of happy to see it not that i dislike russ or anything but i know for a fact russ is the most popular usapl lifter above everyone else on this list he is turning himself into, and right now I think he is the face of the USAPL. So based on popularity, you would expect the vote to be a little closer, but it was like 64% towards Ashton Rouska, and I was kind of happy with that, because that means that, one, people recognize how big of a beast Ashton Rouska is. Yeah, and this one's kind of similar. I, I mean, Russ isn't Bonica, but it's similar in the sense of, like, Russ is defending IPF and national champ. Ashton is a former national champion. I think, and did he ever win an IPF Worlds? I think he won an IPF Sub Junior Worlds equipped, maybe, or something like that. Whatever, he's a former national champion. So, this one's close. Where I come back to on this one is I really had to think about it because obviously we haven't seen Russ compete other than his mock meet. Ashton's a lot more fresh in our mind. Yeah. Um, in how he's competed. And obviously, I mean, you could, you could say Ashton's was a big statement, statement meet as well. Um, but I think, I, I would have saw Ashton's as much of a statement as we knew that was kind of all coming. We just all been waiting for that ridiculous meet. Yeah, it was going to happen. It was, it, it was, it was definitely going to happen at a point. Yeah, we were, we were all expecting it where we didn't quite expect some of these other performances, especially like Keiko. We didn't know that was coming. Here's where I kind of, it, it, it's, I think, ah, I wouldn't even say Ashton's more of a favorite in 105 than Russ is either, because I think Ashton, I mean, he, he lost to Bryce. Like, that's going to be a battle. Yeah. Russ versus Sean, I think that both of those battles are pretty darn similar. Um, I think where my comparison comes to, though, is I could legitimately see Ashton going up to 120 and plausibly beating Dennis Cornelius. Yeah. Russ... Let's say he get eight. He get eight sixty-five. I don't think he. Me personally, I don't think he can. He did that without cutting. He did that with dropping a deadlift that got counted. He did that. With, that was a mock me. Let's say he even could do eight sixty-five though, like on the greatest day ever. That's still probably going to be thirty plus kilos away from winning ninety threes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure and. You know, I, that's that's kind of how I have to come back to comparisons is like try and like compare them to similar weight classes. 
And that's where Ashton gets a little bit of a nod from me is that he could literally go up a weight class and possibly win. As well as if you take his total from his most recent meet, that would have been the biggest total of 2019 Raw Nationals, regardless of weight class, which that's insane in its own right, too. Yeah, it, it is. I have to take myself back in this one, too, because I always try to find certain arguments that will either strengthen a lifter or hurt a lifter within these battles. And I agree with you with Russ, especially when you take into consideration his past performances. Now, we're looking at Russ going to be in a battle himself, but he's a proven champion in 83s. He's done it multiple times. He's done it three times, and he's done it in the IPF. He's done it in the Worlds, too. And that was his best meet, was IPF Worlds. Um, Ashton is still actually on the path of doing that. Uh, he is one of the, he is, he's one of the only people on this list, actually the only person who's not a recent national champion, right? Like with all these 2008, people, like, 2018, 2018, no, 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 2017. So exactly. So, so 2018, he lost in, to Wilson, 2017, he won. But in this sense, what I'm saying, like, as far as all the people on the list, Dennis, reigning champion, Atwood, reigning champion, Russ, reigning champion, Bonica, reigning champion, Mandel Lawrence, reigning champion, yeah. Daniela, last national he competed in, 2019, or 2018, he won that one, and so is Heather Connor, reigning national champion. He's the only one that isn't. So if you take this and be and tell me that Ashton Roska won 2019 Raw Nationals, then it's not really that much of a debate for me. Because he had that past accolade that I can go back to. But he doesn't have that. And that's where the debate comes in is, can he win 105s? This is something he still has to do. This is not a done deal sort of thing. He has to avenge the loss that I believe he was heavily favored to win and ended up coming in third. That's something that he still has to get over. But... Very similar to the Amanda Lawrence situation, he has the highest good lift points on the male side. Uh, second to Jesse Norris, and if I'm going to be honest here, I'm just going to go ahead and put Ashton Roska first. Just based on, you know, competition standards, even though Ash Jesse Norris is one of the GOATs. Uh, Ashton, based on competition standards and what he's done, yeah, I'm going to put Ashton uh, ahead of him on, on that one as far as all time goes. But he currently has the most good lift points as far as men. He, I, I think the days of him being a gym lifter is well behind him. That was his reputation. At 2019, Raw Nationals, after that meet, reputation for Ashton Roska was he's a great gym lifter who can't translate a lot of his lists from the gym onto the platform. I think at this point he has proven that he is not that lifter anymore. That he yeah, is, he is a platform too, lifter. One thing, too, is that, like, some of those meets that led into, like, 2018 and 2019 that, like, got us all hyped about Ashton, they were local meets with local judges. Yeah. He did the winter record, which was arguably the biggest meet of 2020 outside of the Arnold, and had national judges. Then he did the TSS meet, had to travel for it in a primetime session with national judges. Yeah. And one, one IPF referee. The but, head judge at that meet was but actually also. But also, he did compete at the Grand Prix as a 93 and 1. Yes. So he's competed, he's competed at the biggest 2020 meets. Um, and, the, you know, arguably the biggest 2021 meet, too. So he's fresher, and I, I still think the same argument applies for him with Amanda Lawrence. Momentum right now. Ashton Roska is a freight train, 
who consistently gets better, who consistently improves, and he's putting up a total death legendary. Um, yeah. I think the argument comes closer because Russ is the, the proven, is a proven too, champion. And a big difference, too, is Ashton didn't have a coach in these previous meets in these nationals. Yeah. He was a bit because I, I don't know enough about his training, but it seemed it was a bit more inconsistent on kind of the structure of it. Whereas now I know with Marcellus, they have a very specific, and they actually tested out. I don't know, and this is, I don't know if this is like, I mean, this isn't super, super secret. Um, they tested out a little bit of a different, different peaking strategy for the TSS meet, and they were trying to see which one was better. Because then they're going to have a very planned out structure to know exactly pretty much what's going to happen at Raw National. So I don't ex- I expect Ashton to have his best Raw National showing he's had today. Mm-hmm. Now, Russ, the fact of the matter is, is he definitely looks like he is stronger than he's ever been. His yeah. best meet is 833. I expect him to improve upon that. I've already mentioned this. I really do think about 850 will win Raw Nationals for 83. I very much expect 83 to be within the picture for Russ. Um, within that, I, I, it sounds like his training's going decent, but I feel like more so than ever, it's a bit interrupted with how much his business is taking off. Yeah, I, I but I don't know. I'm seeing some of the stuff he's still putting up, and it's just... He's, is that, like, uh, he, he's openly said he's only motivated to lift once or twice a week. That's a that's kind of a big thing. It is. Yeah, you're right. I actually did not see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that is interesting. I would say based on Ashton, Ashton's even like recent videos too. Based on what he's showing, it seems like he's still working his way back into prep. You know, since the Texas Strength Classic, seems like he's still working his back his way into there. Uh, and that does happen with actually pretty much every lifter. Actually, me and him and I had a conversation about this where you're not always on as a lifter. Like, there's, there's, um, just like in baseball, there's high tides and there's low tides. Like, sometimes it takes you a little bit. And he's a guy who does compete often, and it's actually hard to do that. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of experiencing it myself. Like, going into prep immediately after competing is hard. It's like, it does, I don't have the same, Lift, I don't have the same, I, I don't want to call it energy, but the same performance I was having in the gym prior when I was competing till now. So starting off by prep. And I think Ashton right now is on that, is, is, is almost in the same, is almost in the same ballpark. Um, I, I would still though, even factoring all that in because Russ is still putting up some, some huge numbers in the gym. Uh, don't know much about his deadlift, but based on his squat that he's moving, it's, I guess if Jamar Royster didn't exist and he's putting up 760, like we would be blown away by that. But now it's like, oh, that's amazing. But Jamar is doing this. He could probably like rep 705 for like three or four right now, based on how the squat is. Um, I just, I, I still even removing all the lifting stuff. I just think with with platform performances, it's just so hard to vote against Ashton Rowski, even though it's closer for me because I know what Russ can do on the platform. That's one thing that should be acknowledged on this, too, is and that's why the matchup is so interesting. You have a back-to-back-to-back national champion against a guy who's trying to redeem a national champion loss. And he's the favorite. The guy who's redeeming a national championship loss is the favorite in this situation. So that's where Russ gets my approval and nod, but, like, I just... I, I can't I can't go against a guy whose bad meets are still probably going to win a 105s 
and are going to be in the top two or three as far as good lift points. And yeah. like you said, possibly win 120s. If man, if Amanda's the favorite to win on good lift points and be best overall lifter at Raw Nats, Ashton's got to be the favorite on good lift points. I think Russ, he probably would have to do something ridiculous to be able to go like 121 like Ashton's looking at Yeah, with good lift points. Um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm going to guess like eight. It probably would have to be around like 870, and I, I'm just not, not sure who would be initial refs. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is just this was this is one of those ones where I think Russ, if we had reshuffled some of the matchups a little bit more, Russ could very well be in that final. Yeah, but. I think my vote has to go to Ashton because if, if I'm thinking who is going to have, who am I expecting to have the best meet at Raw Nationals, I look at Ashton and I fully expect that to happen. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, that's what my argument was for Amanda, and that's where it kind of translates to Ashton too. I, I, I'm a firm believer that Ashton Rowska is going to be the type of lifter John Hack is now. He's very close to that currently based on what he could do in the gym. I just think that that's the future for Ashton Roscoe. I firmly believe that. I'm willing to put money on that, uh, that that's what's going to be what's in its future. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to vote for Ashton. That's going to be a clean sweep. Uh, he will go on to the men's final. And transition now back to the females. We have in our Project Strength region, number one, Heather Connor, versus number two, Daniela Mello. And this one, on fans voting, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought this would be about as close as a 50-50 vote um, between any person in the Two White Lights March Madness bracket. Because both of them are extremely popular. Both of them are liked by, you know, USAPL members or just members in, you know, the powerlifting community. Um, and Amanda Lawrence ended up with a little bit over 60, I mean, not Amanda Lawrence, Daniela Mello moved with a little over 60% of the vote on that one. So I guess I was surprised by that one, but it's still relatively close when it's 60-40. Um, and what it was prior to uh, just the, how the day started, it was about 50-50 throughout the entire day. And, yeah, this is an interesting, interesting matchup because simply due to Daniela Mello's just not being on the platform such a long time. Because if, if Daniela Mello was on the platform for a long time, it's much closer. I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it's much closer. It's just something we have to... We're using past performances to judge her on Heather Connor's recent performances, and that's where things get a little bit difficult. Yeah, and even I mean, even going way back, Danielle's never been a big... She's big on social media, but she's not big on training. Yeah. Like it's it's almost always been a question mark leading in the meets with Daniela of what she's going to do because she never she's never really posted a ton of her training in the same manner that like Heather does, so like that's always a tough one with her like knowing what she can do. Um, we've definitely seen some some blips of training and those numbers are showing that like her strength's good. Like I mean her last meet at IPF World she hit five oh seven on squat, and she's hit four ninety six pretty easy in training about uh, about a couple months ago at a seemingly a lower body weight. We're going to have to see how the body weight affects her. So Heather Connor, on the other hand, obviously is blowing up social media with the absolute craziness she's doing. Yeah. And so this one I went back and forth on. I literally, we talked about it. I, I didn't know who I was going to vote for on this one. This one's tough. I mean, Heather Connor seems to have all the momentum. 
because of how her training's going and us not really seeing Danielle either one compete or two post a ton of training to have an idea of kind of what's going on as well as Danielle's going into a new, into a new weight class. I think what I started to fall back on though is I, I would almost argue, I would say 76 is probably a more competitive class than 47 and it's a little bit deeper from top mm-hmm. to bottom. Daniela can literally walk in with her openers, win, and probably go home. Heather is going to need a good meet to still like hold off someone like Leah Goldring and uh, is it Demetria Thayton. I don't know if I'm saying that first name mm-hmm. right or if I have that right. Yeah, you got that. So I have said Heather could possibly go up and win the next weight class. I'm not sure with the weight cut, Daniela could go beat Amanda, but I, there, there's not an Amanda in the 52 kilos, so I don't know if that's the best comparison. Daniela could easily go up to 84. We already know she'd go up to 84 and win by 50 or 60 kilos. So that's not a great comparison either because they seemingly both would dominate the weight class above, barring Amanda wasn't in that weight class and kind of being this, this big outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, see, this one's tough for me. I mean, Heather's training seems to be going – in sense, better than Daniela's, but that's only because she's posting it. But if I'm looking at dominance within the weight class, Daniela is going to be more of a runaway winner, most likely in her weight class, than Heather is. Yeah, I, I would say that w- that's definitely a fair argument that you have as far as Dan- Daniela goes. I would think she comes in as an overwhelming favorite of 76. Um, and really, if, if you take the past, like, if you take just this whole her not being active on the platform out of the equation here, I, I think you'd have to give the not, not to Daniela Mello uh, in this situation because some of the same arguments that we're using for Daniela, we could use for Heather as well. I mean, even with her being active on the platform. Her best meet, uh, Heather Cotter's best meet, was the, uh, the Arnold uh, Pro-American in 2018. That was where she posted a uh, 397 dots. I mean, 397 total, and she's getting close to that right now. But that was her best meet in two, 2018. Recently, she's trying to work her way back up to that. And if you still take that in consideration, Daniela at 2019 IPF Worlds was on top of the world sharing it with Amanda Lawrence. I know that Amanda Lawrence ended up winning on, uh, on IPF score, but it was... It was so close between the two that it's like about as close as you're going to get to a tie in powerlifting history. It's it's when you decide something, they had the same total when you decide on a weight class. Yeah, Daniela's right up there with her. So yeah, it is it is closer than I think a lot of people messaging me anticipated. I think they're assuming that's like how can you give the nod to Daniela in this situation considering Heather Connor's been more the active competitor and what she's been doing in the gym has been nutty, but. Yeah, I. It's, it's relatively close, but again, for me, I know that Heather can translate her lifts in the gym to on the platform. She doesn't have to worry about a weight cut. She comes into competitions light. She's always going to be within the forty-seven kilo range, and right now that just on her deadlift alone, if she can just bring that deadlift to Raw Nationals, she's going to total over four hundred kilos easily it's going to be a potential situation where she is going to battle for best good lift points in the female division with Amanda Lawrence. And I actually think she has a good chance of winning that. Um, and the arguments we were using for Amanda Lawrence and Bonica Brown for 
something sparking them to compete. Heather Connor was on the show twice, and she has stated to me that Raw Nationals really was her fun meet. IPF Worlds was the meet she really competes for because she's challenged more at IPF Worlds. Right now, I think she has that spark again because she legitimately sees herself as a contender to win best overall female at Raw Nationals. And I think her training is showing that because I think when you look at summer performance, she was just kind of taking whatever she needs to do to win and getting that relatively easily. Now the goal is different. Now the goal is to really put a stamp on the USAPL, make a massive statement at this meet, and uh, I think I think she's going to come into Raw Nationals hungrier than ever. I agree with that. I mean, Heather has everything going for her. Her training is going phenomenal. I don't think Daniela, we're seeing like her training going better than it ever has, but it doesn't have to. If she can hit near the same numbers at, it would be about what, 17 pounds less body weight. And in what I think is the class she's been waiting for. And like what she kind of feels is her more natural class. Like that would be unbelievably impressive. I'm doing, if she could hit, she seemingly, I'm looking at her training. I don't see any reason she can't squat 507. She just did a triple with 260 something on bench and it was easy. So I don't see any reason she can't bench 300 again. Deadlift's the only one that was a little bit more of a question mark, but I don't know if she ever usually gets her best deadlifts in training. So whatever it is, she seemingly could go 1315. If she does at 76 kilos, that's a 121 good lift score. Yeah. But it's almost like that's, I can almost see that not being as impressive because we've already seen that from her. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we were looking for this kind of like novel performance, which I think Heather's going to have. She's going to have this amazing performance, but it's almost like we'd overlook Daniela just doing the same thing, but at a lower weight class. Like that almost might not be as special because we've seen it, but the fact of the matter it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. But here's but here's my thing with Daniela is it's just been so long she's able she's been just competing. I, I use this argument for Russ a little bit, like when you have to go under another weight cut, when you have to get back on prep, when you have to do this, I think it does take a little bit of time to adjust where you're not gonna have the all time performance that Daniela Mello is so used to having. She's an all time lifter. She's one of the she's one of the best. She's one of the best female competitors we've seen in the past three to four years. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time to surpass that. And it's very difficult to surpass. Right now, I see Heather on the trajectory of surpassing her best, of continuously, of continuing her dominance that never left. She has never, I mean, since I can remember, I think since 2017 to 2016, she has dominated, and I don't see her relinquishing that I th- and I also think she is going to move above her best performance I think if Daniela could come in and total 121 that's amazing that's fantastic that means Daniela Mello is back and she definitely is going to put the USAPL on notice but I think Heather Connor can go a little bit above that like I'm willing to bet more that Heather Connor goes above a 121 good lift points than Daniela Mello just is to match that. Let's see. Let me do the math real, real quick. So Dan, or Heather weighs around 99 to 100. She totals 920. She'd have she'd have to total 930, which is 50 pounds over her best. 
with her deadlift, she's got 40 pounds. Yes. She's also, she's not doing the, I don't, I don't know enough Hold about up. how her training has been leading in the beats. Like, I think guys just like that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know enough to know exactly how her training is compared to her, what actually she does on the platform. But I, I know for anyone, you, if you squat before you deadlift, that does make a difference. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, I, I could see easy. like when you're saying fifty pounds on her total, I could see her doing that. That's the thing. Like, it's not out of the question. She would have to have the perfect meat to do that, though. I don't even think Daniela has to have a perfect meat. Like, she can just come in and do what she's done before, and she does that already. This, this is like so. This is where I like Daniela hasn't been around. Kind of like Ray, but we have very. Like, Daniela was the queen. Ray was the king for a long time. We have very strong evidence, though, that Ray dropped off. Yeah. We have, I don't think we have any evidence Daniela no. dropped off. Though. No, like, I'm not. For sure that she, her total is going to tank. Yeah, I'm not saying her, I'm not saying Daniela Mello has dropped off. I'm not saying I'm not confident for her to do that. I think, I, it's, it's just what I've said with all the lifters. I think when you take into consideration what a lifter has done recently and what they can do when I see the potential of them doing, I think Heather Connor can have a better performance at 2021 Raw Nationals, and I I see massive improvements in her training right now. That For a while, it seemed like she was spinning her wheels a little bit on some of her lifts, where there was some improvements, but it was, you just go through her, her totals. It's you know, a drop-off, you know, a few drop-offs there, a few small increases, and her training was kind of, was, was kind of evidence of that. Like, at 2021 Raw, or 2019 Raw Nationals, when I saw her compete, I kind of predicted her numbers already there. Like, based on her training. And the numbers were right on, and they all seemed to be RP10-ish lifts. Right now, she's made improvements from her last meet till now, which was a great meet, and I think if she improves upon that meet we're talking about potentially the best female lifter at raw nationals regardless of weight class yes it, like i said this one is one i just couldn't decide on but i feel like as i talk about it i mean like i feel like heather i, I just i just feel like heather's gonna have to have the perfect meet where Daniela, if she just pretty much does what she's already capable of which it looks based off of her training like she is it might not seem as impressive but like, if 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 Daniela had never done thirteen fifty one before, and she came in and did thirteen fifty one at eighteen pounds less body weight, we would probably walk away saying that was the most impressive total of me. But just the fact that she's done it makes it seem less impressive. Yeah, I guess. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I would agree with you. But when you put her up against Heather Connor. That's where that's where the argument kind of sways for Heather Connor's advantage. Where it's like it seems less impressive. It's like yeah, it's because Heather Connor has a chance to put up a total better than that. I I just I think my tiebreaker. I already said it. My tiebreaker. Yeah, I think uh, Daniela Mello might have heard me because as I her as uh, as I was slowly going to Heather Connor, the wind picked up and it started to rain on me. So I don't know if that's an omen or not. I really don't. Well, while you were doing that, I was looking up things, and I think this solidified my decision. Heather Connor will have to total over 900 to, to break the current IPF world record held by Wailing Chen, which we assume Heather's going to do that. 
she's going to probably break over 900. Yeah. Now, the 76 kilo class is new. We don't know exactly what's going to go on. I think the two people we know that are probably going to be at the top are Daniela and Jessica Butner. Mm -hmm. If Daniela can just put together what she's done before, that's going to out-total Jessica Butner by over 100 pounds. Yeah. If Heather can put together the super meet, it's going to out-total Wei-Ling Chang by 20 or 30 pounds. Now, obviously, because of the totals being different, the disparity in the percentage base is a little closer than that seems, but Daniela is going to just obliterate anything anyone has or, or currently will be doing at 76 kilo, where Heather will just finally be, surpa- be surpassing the current GOAT of the 47 kilo class. So now I'm looking outside of Ron Nats and I'm looking at the world scene. Heather will just finally be kind of passing up the current best where Amanda or Daniela is just going to be obliterating and setting the standard. Yeah. I mean, again, those are all very valid arguments that you could use. And really my arguments might be different if it wasn't just for the layoff. And that's really, that's, that's big for me. And that's, that's been my way throughout this entire process of this March Madness brackets going on my opinions, who's going to go further into the brackets, who's going to go further into being the best female lifter. I think that layoff, I just need to see something out of Daniela. I'm totally confident she's capable of doing that, but I've seen something from Heather recently, and I see her getting to that point again. I And that's it. I mean, if this was a different scenario where both were active, my opinions might be different. But right now, I... I really think I have to still go in Heather Connors' direction simply due to what I've seen from her recently and her plat- and her platform success. All right. Well, I think on this one, this is going to maybe be the only one of this round where we're probably going to have to disagree and it's going to come down to fan voting. Because I think it sounds like you're going Heather. Yep. I think I've talked myself into going Daniela. So therefore, fan vote puts Daniela in first. All right. Well, that is something, I mean, I think with the Daniel Clemens and John Noriega one, this is something where we definitely disagree on. Where it's like, it's not so close to an extent where, you know, you could pick either side. This is one where we definitely have a disagreement between each other because... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still taking Heather up on this one. Um, I think shouldn't be penalized based on what you've done recently, but it, this is how, this is how the game is played. I'm outranked here. Heather, we're saying, but Heather's current stuff, I'm going to re-argue this again. Heather's current stuff wasn't on the platform. If it's on the platform, like Amanda's was, that is different for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's that's... not like she did it in a meet. She's doing it in training. And I'm I'm not gonna like we talked a lot about recency getting some precedence and like that's rewarded. It's not on the platform though. I, I so I can't give recency if it's just training, even though that, that does help, but like neither of them done had done it on the platform since two thousand nineteen, correct? Or Heather did it. No, Heather Heather had a recent meet. Okay, so she did eight seventy but if 870 doesn't give me anything that's going to make me vote Heather. Yeah, and, it's and that, that it's is going to be her training. And it's primarily her being just more active on the platform, but her training is what's dictating my decision a little bit more. Where I, this is, watching Heather throughout her, you know, 
from 2018 to 2020, or 2021 for that matter, see, like, it's a person who's trying to up a total that's already massive. And, like, the, I believe he has the highest Wilkes in IPF history. And at the time, that's what he had, too. And it seems to be a struggle for her. Now it seems to me that he's figuring all of it out. I'm really high on Heather Cotter right now as far as 2021 Ron Ackles. Like, if he was a stock, I would be betting it. I'm a gambling man. Everyone knows it. Not a good one, but a gambling man nonetheless. And that's how I would make my bets. Is like, this is what I see in Heather Connor right now. And and this is going with Amanda Lawrence, too, who moved on. Like, Heather Connor kind of was my pick for this March Madness thing to be the best overall female lifter. Like, th- th- this was kind of my choice here as for when this thing started. I'm like, I really think Heather Connor can get through. But this is how the game is played, you know? I, I'm, I'm, I'm outvoted I would, here. I would compare my thinking here, if I think about it, in Ashton versus Russ. Let's say Heather is Ashton, Daniela is Russ. Yeah. If Ashton did not compete and all we did was see these training totals, I think I probably might even go Russ over there. Because he hadn't done it on a stage with national referees. Okay. I see that the same thing with Daniela. We see Daniela and Russ having competed in, in, in since 2019. And in 2019, they were, they were better, per se. And even their totals now are highly impressive from what they did then. Uh, uh, I don't know if we see a strength increase, but we see a relative strength increase with body weight. With Russ, we do see a strength increase. But it doesn't, for us, I didn't think it trumped what we had seen on the platform from Ashton actually putting it together with national referees. Heather doesn't have that. That's where Daniela gets my vote over Heather. Wait, hold on. Doesn't that kind of contradict things a little bit there? Like, unless I'm, unless I'm misunderstanding here. Because wouldn't, like, say if there was a long layoff, so say if there was a long layoff for Ashton, would, like, and you would say Russ would get the nod. I think that's almost the same scenario, right? No, but... But that's because Ashton was doing it in training, and we hadn't seen him do it on the platform. And the last time we saw him doing it on the platform, he was losing to Bryce. The last time we saw Heather on the platform, she wasn't out totaling her best. Okay. All yeah. we're seeing now is improvements in training, which is great. That's it. honestly, if we didn't see Heather's improvement in training, she might not be at this point right now. She, I, I would, well, she probably would, but it would be less. I think it would be less of an argument because of her training. This is an argument, but she hasn't done it on the platform. Ashton did it on the platform twice. All right, I, I, I. All right, I understand that, but again, it's just, I, I. This is where I'm starting to value just with gym lifts and where I see someone's progression going. And I see right now, uh, Heather's progression going into a way where she can. Where in my, in my opinion, if I was to put money on it, seriously, not joking about this. If they opened up the lines for USAPL Raw Nationals 2021. And they had to pick who you are going to put money on to win uh, best overall female lifter. I'm putting my money on Heather. Only because it's the smart bet. Because I respect that. I wouldn't. And I can who would you put it that. on, though? This is a gambling talk. Who would you put it on, then? That's a debate for next round. Good point. Yeah, because because, my because, would be one of because then the another two I lace we could do, which would be totally wildly inaccurate, is to put the actual odds on these people. Because the reason why I would say Heather is because I would say Amanda Lawrence would be like minus three hundred to win, like as far as favorites go. And I think huh? I think uh, I think Heather Connor would be like plus two hundred, plus three hundred to win. So that's 
if you put a bet down, you get something in return. You know what I mean? So well, maybe you might like should start a book a sports betting service for Ron Nats. Uh, that's going to be IPF. We're going to get to IPF rules later in this episode. Is there any IPF rule against a coach or an athlete betting on the sport? No, and I, you know, I've seen people very interested in this, and I was like, this is going to be a clusterfuck because whenever someone who doesn't know how to put books together and put odds together usually leads to a lot of people losing money, and people do not like when they lose money. <laughs> so I'm like, you guys got to think about this if you have an open, yeah. But I'm not good enough with numbers to give the odds or to figure that out. But like, just based on the top of my head, we could do something for two white lights with just being like, what would the odds be to win Raw Nationals? And they, like, yeah, like Heather would be my pick to win back some money, but also a pick that I think is going to win. But you know what? There's no gambling as of right now on Raw Nationals. My gambling points are moot at this point. It's 2-1, to one, Daniela Mello, and that means from the Project Strength region, she is moving on, and the winner of that meets a Notorious Lift region winner, and that's Amanda Lawrence. So if this one was contentious and had comments in the Two White Lights section, next week is going to be interesting between Amanda Lawrence and Daniela Mello. Yeah. Oh boy, I can't wait for that one. But that will do it for the female side. Um, very good debates that we had there on, on, on that one. And now finishing off with the Leflar Bros region, we have number one, Taylor Atwood, versus number three, the only number three seed in the Final Fours, or as Steve Denoya call it, the Elite Eight, Dennis Cornelius. And this one, as far as fans voting went, heavily in favor of Taylor Atwood. Uh, but there are Dennis stands out there, and I gotta love I, I I gotta love the people who stand up for Dennis because the guy has dominated 120 for such a long time. He's a beast. He has a total that was almost as good as Ray Williams at the last Raw Nationals. Uh, but what people were messaging me as far as like his dominance of 120, people forget that Taylor Atwood has dominated 74s for a long time. That's one thing, like, someone messaged me that, like, well, you know what, I know Taylor Atwood has built momentum, and he has the 8-12 the, the uh, kilo total, he has potential to do more, but Dennis has been doing this for such a long time, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Taylor Atwood's not just some lifter who came onto the scene this year. He's been the king of 74 since I got into powerlifting. And has only, and, and only really improved since that, so... Yeah, I, I think some of the some of the fans like I don't love people who defend Dennis. I, I you know when you defend Dennis, like okay, respect. You know a thing or two about powerlifting, but in the, in this matchup, uh, I I have a hard time voting against Taylor Atwood. Yeah, this one I, I legitimately had to think about this one because a lot of the check marks they're the same. They both dominate their weight class. Yes, they're both. You can't go back on past performance. They're both national IPF world champions. I think Taylor does have some recency bias for, for, for performance. And I, ex- I I think there's, and I can't use the like going up a weight class thing because they're pretty comparable there. They both probably get around maybe like they both went up a weight class, probably like second or third, probably set third probably in both of them. I mean, they, I think Taylor could battle for third at 83. I think Dennis would probably be right now maybe battle for second with Ray and 
and it depends on how Ray does. I, I honestly think Jesus might be the favorite now based off of training and how Jesus is looking and not seeing much from Ray. So this is actually going to be kind of a weird comparison. I'm going, how do they compare with their weight class in untested? Oh, really? <laughs> Taylor holds the all-time world record regardless of tested or untested. Like, by, by I mean, like, fairly easily. Yeah. Dennis, I just the, the the light untested side though to me because like if you're taking steroids you're just not gonna be 107 like 165 pounds it, that is true that is true <laughs> it's a hard it's hard to be 165 pounds it actually makes Dennis almost more impressive if yeah he could do so right now Dennis has the fifth best total all time at 264 if you're taking like to using the weight classes and whatnot if he totaled 2200 he would have the best. And honestly, if that was the case, I think I might, I could argue for Dennis being better than Taylor. That kind of, it kind of goes like, what do you appreciate more? Yeah. The, the lighter weight classes or just the bigger total? It's not, it's, it's not the craziest argument. It really isn't. I, I don't think it's a clear cut victory for Taylor. It's hard. So like I said, this um, with, uh, with Keiko, for example, when uh, he was matched up against Taylor, I think a lot of the voters were having the same thing as I had. Like, okay, I understand how great of a lifter Dennis is. He's one of the best of all time. His total racks up against super heavies. His total racks up very well against uh, people in the untested side. I understand all that. But with all with that being said, do you just think that Taylor Atwood is going to have a lesser performance at Raw Nationals? I think that's what the voters were thinking. And that's where I think you see some of the, dispar- the disparity between the votes uh, between Taylor and Dennis. But that w- that's actually a good point because I, I I guess this is not a scenario where I'm not confident where Taylor Atwood's going to do better than what he did on the platform. Uh, when was that? Back in... Was that... Uh, that was August or something, September, when he did that That meets where he totaled day 12. Yeah. I, I don't know when that was. But I guess I'm just not – I'm not going to say that it's like, well, it's going to be hard to replicate that. I really honestly believe – like, again, if I had to put money on it, if you put, if you put, a, if you put a prop bet of is Taylor Atwood going to surpass his last performance by 5 to 10 kilos – I'm slamming that. I think Taylor Atwood's definitely going to do that. And that puts him into like this crazy, crazy field where he's like, he would be second all time in 83s. Like given the, the current rankings now, it's just, it's, it's very hard for me to like get past that. But what you said, Dennis can go out of the meet, have a bigger total and some of like, and be second in super heavies. How damn good he is. I'm literally. I think your vote's going to be Taylor. The fan vote was Taylor. I might argue Dennis because I literally think I can make an argument for it. If he go, he just went 22-10 at his most recent meet in USBA. Yeah. If he could do that at 264. Like, I think that says something when you would literally be the strongest untested lifter while using a stiff bar in a tested federation at a weight class. 
Yeah. I, I, because, I, like you said, the one six Taylor has the all time record in his weight class because no one who takes steroids can stay one sixty three. Yeah, That's, they go up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, comparing it to untested is so hard, you know. But Dennis, we can't because the untested guys weigh two sixty four to two seventy five, and he literally would be one of the best untested lifters in the world using a stiff bar and drug free, and that's insane. Yeah, you're you're on Ashton Roska territory if you're doing that. Yeah. Now this is an if though, and this is where I might tuck myself back into Taylor. This is an if. If Dennis can do 2200, I think it is a very strong possibility. Dennis goes like 2125 to 2150. I think that is very possible. It is an if, if he goes 2200, if he goes 2200, I legitimately think I could make, I could talk myself into Dennis. Mm -hmm. The difference is we know Taylor's probably going 812 plus. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, I, I would, again, have to ask you then, like, who are you confident that's going to have the bigger all-time performance? I think I'm more, I mean, I think I'm more confident Taylor will. That's it, but the if interesting. I, if I could guarantee Dennis is going 2200, I would actually, I could think I could vote for Dennis, but exactly. I'm not confident enough he's going to do that. Exactly, well, here's the thing, then, then the interesting sub-debate is what do you value more? That total that Taylor's going to put up, say if they do have both perfect performances, what do you value more? And like an, something crazy, like an 830 total from Taylor Atwood or uh 2200 total from Dennis? Like that's a debate. I don't even know because I'm, you know, I might be, I might be one of the lighter guys in the USAPL, but God damn it. Do I think that those guys who put up actual, the biggest totals deserve more respect and they're, they are more impressive in my eyes. The bigger total is more impressive to me. I mean, a thousand kilo total at two seventy five—that would be up there. I don't. I, I would have a hard argument with it. A thousand kilo total at two six at two set or the not two seventy five at the one twenty kilo class two sixty four. I think the only thing in my mind that would beat that right now would be raised twenty four fifty six. Yeah, that's. See, because, I mean, the fact I, – I respect these lighter weight classes, and I actually bias towards them too because we're – but the goal of powerlifting is to be the strongest human possible. And 1,000 kilos at 264 would be one of the most impressive totals of all time. I just – again, that if I knew and was confident Dennis could do that, I would probably vote Dennis, but I'm more confident Taylor I, – I, if I'm more confident Taylor's going 820 kilo plus than I think Dennis is going 1,000 kilo plus. Yeah. And if that's the case, I have to vote for Taylor because 820, I, I really think he could probably do that. And that would be more impressive than what I think I'm confident with Dennis doing. And that would be around like nine, what, nine, 970, 975, which is like 2150. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Based on what you're saying here, this is one of the scenarios where you're kind of talking me into Dennis as you go. I just I, I I and but my I guess my argument very similar to Heather, very similar to what I've said with people who built up momentum. Uh, very, I mean, so, still similar with Ashton is the momentum that Taylor has put on the platform and what I think he can do. I am more confident that he's going to have a better meet at Raw Nationals than Dennis. But I think we need to start broadcasting these sub debates of what do you find more impressive, and it's seventy four kilo totaling eight thirty or a 275 having a 1,000 kilo total. 
yeah, I think that's a good good topic for after we finish March Madness. Is like I, a lot think, of I might I might throw it in I might throw it in this week because I'm gonna brought now for this week I'm broadcasting the votes because I don't want to get hated by everyone at powerlifting again. So so um so yeah I might and I might just you know kind of kind of broadcast like what goes into our decisions and all the debates that we have because that's an interesting one. I've always been a guy who appreciates the bigger total more than the the good lift points or the pound for pound kind of things uh it's very similar uh, i guess i'm pulling a king of the lifts kind of thing right now but comparing it to boxing like you can have your pound for pound guys but when you have a great heavyweight who is dominant and is doing something unprecedented all the every single time the heavyweight is going to get the, the, the more of the recognition because they are literally the strongest they're literally the, the strongest and the best at what they do. Like, you put a heavyweight up against Floyd Mayweather, he knocks the shit out of him. Right? And in this case, if we put a heavyweight against the lighter weight classes, they're moving just massive amounts of weights. Other weights that heavyweights couldn't do. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting debate. But circling it back to this one, I just I, I can't see a scenario. I, I I guess I well I could see a scenario. I, I I just am more confident at this point that Taylor Atwood is just going to put together a total that's going to be more impressive at twenty twenty World Nationals. Yeah, I was just looking at Dennis's like training because I was trying to like talk myself into that twenty twenty that twenty two hundred possible. He hit that twenty two ten in October, but it was on a deadlift bar. Yeah. His, his Achilles heel has been deadlifting and grip. Um, he hit 815 with straps on a stiff bar. But again, if I could, if, I, if there was a video, because you can't say Dennis didn't compete. Like if, if he hadn't compete, if he had, I think we actually talked about this in a, in a couple weeks ago. Like all of a sudden I realized he did that meet and that changed my opinion on some of the voting. Um, because if he hadn't done a meet, I would say the same thing I've said with some other people. Like if you haven't done a meet, we don't have enough recency of like seeing training on the platform. We've seen his training on the platform. His squat is good. His bench is good, but I haven't seen him deadlift on a stiff bar to be able to say that's going to be good. To know 2200 is confidently there where I think I can confidently say 812 plus is there for Taylor. And so for that reason, I, I'm going to have to give Taylor the nod but that was way – I literally, as we're talking here, I think we both kind of almost talked ourselves a little bit into Dennis, and that was way closer than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I still have to go with that, Wood. Uh, if I get my final vote here, I still have to go with that, Wood. But, yeah, that's a closer one. Also, an interesting idea is just like kind of putting up the losers of these two things, uh, get a third-place game going. See, yeah, like, who would, who would get third place? I, I'm curious to see, like, who would vote, like, or, like, who? how would the fans voting be Russ against Atwood? Or Dennis versus Russ? Yeah. You know? Like, I'm, I'm curious to see how fans would vote in that way, and, like, myself included. Now, like, yeah, if I put myself into, like, a debating Dennis and Russ, I actually might go Dennis on this one. You know? Yeah, I think I probably would too. So it's it's yeah. So that's a that, that'll be an interesting sub debate. But for this particular matchup, one first three in the Leffler Bros region, I have Taylor Atwood moving on. Me too. That right. solidifies our final four, or as you'd like to call it, the championship. Yes. All right, and that is going to match up 
the Leffler Bros region. For Stoic region, we have Taylor Atwood and Ashton Rouska. So that's definitely going to be interesting because then you're really going to get total first good lift points on that one. And also, how close they are in good lift points. It's very close. Yeah. Points. Very darn close. One or two. So, all right. You know what? We said this, uh, this, uh, this one might be shorter than the other ones, but we really argued these ones pretty hard. We're over, uh, we're over 80 minutes on, or over 70 minutes on this so yeah and we've got a we, we've got a very contentious topic coming up that breaking news to, to keep talking for a couple more minutes yeah absolutely well we do have collegiate nationals coming up though so people have been clamoring about collegiate nationals and if we're not going to cover it or not and just an update we're probably going to do a recap of some of the best performances um this is a whole thing with the primetime sessions Primetime sessions are a lot easier to cover people. Um, it's a lot easier to do that in this way, and Collegiate Nationals is a multiple-day event, so we won't be having like the breakdown, weight class to weight class, uh, but there, we're definitely going to cover some of the highlights. Um, I'm, I'm personally excited to see the 83s compete. Uh, Nico Flores, Antonio Fazio, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how those guys compete against each other. I think Nico's probably the overwhelming favorite on that, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see. Yeah. And like you said, like I, I literally tried to go look through to see if we could do like a preview episode, but people are everywhere because it's split yeah. between collegiates and juniors and all the way. It was a complete cluster mess of just stuff. And so it's going to be way easier to see who's the top performers. And then we'll do a recap of them and make sure to highlight like who really had the, the standout performances from collegiate Nats. But it was, it was just a bit too much, too much of a mess to be able to cover in one episode. Um, of kind of breaking down each one, so yeah, and then you know, I'll definitely be tuning in to like watch some of the performances. Some of the times you get a surprise performers out of collegiate. Now you have junior nationals into the mix as well. So uh, former guests of the program are going to be on it. I know Nico uh, Weez is going to be competing this weekend too. So a lot of it, and a lot of people wanted to use this competition because it was junior nationals to compete at IPF Worlds. And they released uh, recently that they're not going to send a team from the USA to IPF Worlds. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it kind of a little bit stunk of the timing. I mean, I think we knew I – mean, we've talked about this. I, if I was a betting man, I never – I don't think – I still don't think Worlds is going to happen. No. Even if Worlds happened, I didn't think we are going to field a team because I don't think anyone wants to go there, nor – I mean, there's a civil war going on there. There's still a pandemic, whether you think it's serious or not. A lot of countries outside of the U.S. are taking a lot more serious. I think I just heard, saw somewhere that Canada's shutting down again or Ontario or something. Yeah. A lot of these countries uh, are actually, since they did it, like, I think France, I'm just using random countries. France is back on an uptick because since a lot of these countries stayed closed, they're seeing that uptick that we saw, what, like three, four months ago, and now it's died off in the U.S. again. Like, a lot of countries are behind where we are. So I, I it's didn't think worlds is going to happen. So like one, is it going to happen Two, Belarus is having like a civil war, I believe. And then three, someone got murdered there. So like yeah. people didn't want to go. I didn't think they were going to, and this is just people didn't want to go minus the pandemic. Yes. It would have happened still, but people didn't want to go regardless of a pandemic or not. I mean, I'm going to put 
I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just already, they said in the email, they're going to announce it soon. The fact that they've already said no juniors or sub juniors. If I was a betting man, I'm saying they're not going to field an open team either. I just, I don't think we're going to have it, which kind of stinks because then we could have had Ron Atz in October. Yeah. But I get it. This isn't the USAPL's fault. This, they didn't do anything wrong. Don't get on the USAPL for this. Like they're just trying to make this as plausible as possible. If they can send an open team, they can send an open team, but Obviously, no juniors or sub-juniors. I don't think that's a terrible choice. Um, I don't think they're going to send an open team, but even if they do, I mean, I'm going to – Arian Kamisi, talk, he's the head coach. He talked about on uh, – he commented on the King of the List page, like, even if they send an open team, he's going to have to debate if he'd go himself. Yeah. Because, like, is it worth going over to Belarus for this? Yeah, that's that's a big question mark on this. And, yeah, like, this is – the very fact that they're not sending juniors tells me that they're not going to send an open team either. So what that does, it kind of it kind of guarantees this massive void in the fall, where uh, maybe a lot of lifters wanted to go to IPF Worlds. Who knows? I know a lot of lifters who flat out didn't, but they definitely would have had enough people from the from Team USA to go. Um, in a scenario where I have like an IPF alternate world team spot, I don't think I would go. I really, I really don't. Uh, just, I guess, mainly because I think I value the, the pandemic stuff more than the Civil War stuff, which is kind of crazy. But uh, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would go myself, and a lot of lifters share the same opinions as me. But that does leave a void in the fall, and. Most interesting developments happening recently with the IPF passing their new bylaws that has implications on lifters who might want to do a meet in the fall that's not an IPF or USAPL meet. Yes. I'm going to I'm gonna fully break down what was posted in just a second. I'm going to throw one thing out there real quick. Just to, again, I want to, uh, what's the right word? I want to get behind USAPL to say they aren't doing anything wrong in the sense that the world, the other kind of debate that was going on is they had to increase the world's team price. Again, not their fault. IPF is forcing the USAPL to do WADA testing, which is way more. And if you didn't notice, USAPL pays the majority of the fee for that. It's not like they're just putting all the costs in the lifter. It's screwing everyone over because the IPF is forcing us to do that. I'm going to throw out one random thing before I get into the IPF rule change. If uh, Josh Rohr or any of the, the uh, board of directors for USAPL are hearing this, I, for one, would have zero issue paying five more dollars on my membership next year if it was stated that the five dollars extra is guaranteed to go to cover World's Team members' costs of their World's Team fee, of helping with their travel, of doing all that. Because the reason we're in the USAPL is because of the competition tier. And to feel the world's team to go keep, compete against the world's best. We all want to help them. So if you guys want to add $5, I'd be the first to say that I had no issue paying $5 more if that was guaranteed to pool. I mean, at 20,000 members, $5, $100,000. If we can get $100,000 to help the world's team out, I would be all for that. Yes. And if they openly state that that's where the money's going to, I think more lifters will definitely be okay with that. You're still going to get a few USAPL lifters bitch about things because they bitch about literally everything, i.e. the warm-up rooms at Collegiate Nationals. But I think a $5 increase will be fine as long as that is stated. Because uh, I, I also have no problems with doing that if it is helping us field an IPF Worlds team and helping uh, Team USA any way that, that like we can. 
Um, you will get people to bitch. It, you know, it, it's happened, especially, you know, because we got a lot of teenage lifters in the USAPL who are very opinionated. and They they, uh, they they really don't like when they're wrong for possibly three and a half seconds. But, yes, I, I agree with you on that one. But, yes. So let's ITF get back. rule change. What's up? ITF rule change. Yes, IPF so, rule change. That's a big one. Legit, literally like 15 minutes before we're about to record, Arian Kamisi posted some of the new bylaws passed by the IPF. One of the previous bylaws is if you compete in an international competition, you can no longer compete at IPF Worlds. You have a ban for 12 months, which we've already discussed. The showdown, Sean, Daniela, Ash, we're going to have to take a 12-month ban. Well, that has been updated now and now includes regional and national meets. So I reached out to Arian to get clarification. So thank you a bunch, Arian, because not only did he clarify what regional and national meant, he gave me a lot more background on this to help to clarify this entire situation. A regional IPF competition is something like the NAPF Pan Americans. Um, if the NAPF is like at the Arnold, that would probably count as well. Um, and then like the, the European Championships, which is EPF. That's a regional meet. National is raw nationals. So according to that, if Sean, Daniela, and Ashton, and Julia competed at the showdown, they would get a 12-month ban from competing at Raw Nationals. And I'm going to come back around to what that would kind of imply in a second, mm-hmm. because that's kind of iffy of what that means, and we're, st- we're still not completely sure if they would receive a ban and like that kind of stuff. One thing we need to shoot down, because I would have thought this, and Arian clarified this, so thank you, Arian, and everyone needs to know about this before you go complain and whine and go crazy about this. This apparently is not the Nori and Ashton and Daniel. Mm -hmm. This was not implemented because of that. And it actually makes sense because, I mean, the IPF only makes rules once every couple years, and this isn't something they act fast on. Apparently, this is the Christoph Wurzbicki rule. Apparently, that's been an issue. He competed in a world powerlifting meet. He competed in some other feds and then wants to come back to the IPF or wants to compete in his own national competitions. Apparently, this is kind of like the Kristoff rule. And it just coincidentally lined up timing-wise with Sean, Daniela, Julia, and Ashton. Yeah. So, as well as, supposedly, the USAPL was not for this rule. So, before everyone tested, and I'm going to especially call out untested, because they seem to not understand that the USAPL and IPF are two different things. And they usually just go straight to blaming the USAPL for everything the IPF does. The USAPL is to not blame in any way for this. This is not their rule. They did not choose this. This is an IPF rule. Yeah. The last thing I'll say with this is, one, it would be a 12-month ban. If we were guaranteed that Nationals is next year in October, it actually wouldn't matter at all because the showdown's in September. The ban would be over. Yeah. But we're not guaranteed that. That's kind of a risk. And I'm going to, I'm going to straight say, I mean, me and Sean will probably talk about this more as we learn more. If we are going to get a ban from raw nationals because of the showdown, I probably, this is also athlete coach as well. So it would be me as well. I would get banned from IPF world, which I was fine with. If I am banned from raw nationals, I'm not sure I would coach at that meet. Yeah. We, we get Sean a handler or something. I don't think I would risk it that I can't go to raw nationals in the sense that maybe it's in the summer again because IPF Worlds is in October next year or something. Um, I don't I don't think I can risk that because I have too many other lifters that are wanting me to be at Raw Nationals with them to then uh, not be allowed to coach them because I, I coach one lifter at one meet. I wouldn't do that and risk that myself. The yeah. question, though, still is, and we're going to have to figure this out with more thing, is it says international meet. 
I don't know if the showdown's international. I don't know if Surge to New Levels Pro Day is international. I think a lot of what we figured the ban was from is because people like Jamal Browner are going to be at the showdown. There's probably going to see some band lifters from the USAPL and IPF at Surge as well. I, I'm not positive, but I assume so. That's where we figured the ban was coming from. I, do, I don't know if these are truly international meets and that they count for that. And that's something we'll have to figure out before we overreact and say, oh, screw the IPF. They're banning Sean and, and, and Ash and Danielle and Julie and all that. I don't know if the showdown counts for this yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, based on the DMs that I'm getting right now, uh, this actual point of the episode is going to be very important for people. This is where timestamps are going to become really important because I'm getting DMs right now saying that this is completely reactionary, a uh, a complete reaction from the IPF to Daniela Mello, Jamal, uh, uh, Ashton Rouska and Sean Oriega and uh, amongst others. No, it's not that, and you know that this this little segment there will clear that up. Uh, I, I guess the, the the thing that, as far as as a competitor goes, from my standpoint, is of course how it affects me, and that international part is important. I need a little bit more clarification because, yeah, in that time, I thought it'd be a fun idea to do an untested meet, do power surge. It's a local meet. Um, I know for a fact there's not going to be any banned USAPL lifters there. I checked the roster. Uh, I, you know, saw, I'm like, no, none of these lifters have even lifted in the USAPL. Uh, I actually think one has, but he does. he's not currently serving a ban for anything. So I know that for a fact, we, we need the situation with the showdown. All the lifters there are going to be suspended from the IPF for about a month or about a, about a year. So we need that information, but... If you're a person who competes in the USAPL and there's a USPA meet and that takes you out of Raw Nationals, that's going to be a problem for a lot of lifters. And yeah, you would have to I, you would have to just get some sort of clarification to make sure that doesn't happen because I think with most of the lifters who are currently wanting to do untested meets, they are still not fully in this boat that they're leaving USPA. Actually, if I'm going to make a stance... I would say like ninety nine percent of them aren't. Maybe aside from Johnny. Maybe aside from Johnny Candido. Johnny Candido seems. To, what's Johnny's it? the only one coming out saying he's. Yeah, that he's just not. Everyone doing... else wants to come back. Yeah. it's just that like there's nothing else to do in the fall, so why not do a USPA meet? Yeah, and if that and if this rule affects that, that that's going to be huge. That's going to be a big problem there, because it just I, I don't think I don't think it's I still I still don't like just the rule in general of having lifters be punished for a year for doing an untested meet where there's a suspended USAPL lifter or there is uh, money on the line. I know that's another rule with international competitions. You can't compete anything with money. That is the grand prize. Like you will still serve an IPF ban for that. Not USAPL, IPF. People will still get in my DMs and tell me that the USAPL that I'm going to potentially get banned from the USAPL if I do the USPA meet. You're wrong, people. It's just IPF. I, I still just disagree with that because it's – I think it's splitting hairs at that point. I don't even think it accomplishes anything. The, all those guys get out of meat tested so much that I don't think they're going to jump on gear for a short period of time. And if that's, if that's truly what they're trying to uh, work around is potentially lifters um, doping in the meantime. If, if, if that's their goal. I don't know if that's true of their goal. I know it has something to do with amateur sports um, and, that, and them having that label, but 
I just I, I just don't buy that it's so, going to stop people from doping. I could go both ways on this. I agree with everything you said, and I'm going to bring up a couple points. One, the IPF has a pipe dream that they're getting in the Olympics, and I am sure there would be an issue in getting in the Olympics if your top athletes are going and competing in untested federations and coming back to the IPF and competing in the USAPL and whatnot. I, I could see that being a conflict of interest, and I can semi-understand that. But that's where I semi-disagree, too, because the Olympics is kind of a pipe dream, and I don't think that's a good thing anyways, nor do I really care to see power in the Olympics. So that's where I don't really care about that rule. The next kind of devil's advocate play is the IPF just doesn't want to be a federation. They want to be the federation. They, they, they are, in the sense of, like, the overruling most competitive federation in the world. They are, they are that. Um, the untested side even though we have like the showdown and we have the current and we have the hybrid, there's this, these meets, they don't have like the federation with the competition tiers like the IPF and the USAPL do, which is why it's so popular. I mean, we've made the comparison multiple times on this show that probably the closest professional sports to kind of what we deal with is the UFC. Not yeah. only do they have weight classes, but they have similar structure. They have multiple federations per se, when they have the UFC and Bellator. And you know what? We've already seen precedent that if a lifter says, screw you, Dana White, I'm going to Bellator, the UFC says, screw you back. Like, we're the federation. You're going to compete here. This is where the best are. If you want to leave us, okay, but you aren't coming back to it. Again, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm just saying I can I can kind of see it. I can kind of see the issue there a little bit. Yeah. I, 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 I mentioned this to you before the show, but... Anytime you're kind of taking the way that the UFC treats their athletes is probably not a business model you want to follow. Because <laughs> they don't Maybe. treat them very yeah. well. Yeah, yes and, and no. I, 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 I mean, but again, I've never really liked the way the IPF treated their athletes. I would, I'm not going to say that other federations are better than putting their athletes first. I, I just, I would like to see a little bit more decisions go towards the lifters way in the IPF. Um, I mean, I think I said something as far as the hot takes go. Like, this this notion that the USPA and WRPF cares more about the lifters more than the USAPL is complete bullshit in my mind. They don't care about the lifters any more than any other federation does. But I, I just think at times the IPF is more concerned about being the federation as opposed to just doing something that's going to help powerlifting. Yes, I agree with that, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't think WRPF or USPA cares any more about giving away money at a meet doesn't mean you care about all the lifters. It means you care about a lifter. Yeah, because that's uh, the case, I was getting the money, right? Yes. If I was competing in WRPF, Sheffield, you're, giving me, you're giving me a salary to compete at our WRPF, and you're not. As well as the Sheffield, if that happens, that trumps anything that any untested meet is doing. That literally is, that's, that's going to be the gold standard. So, yeah. Whatever well, if the if the IPF wants just, to create something that says like, "Hey guys, uh, the IPF or the Sheffield is a go for 2022," so this is why we're making this rule. If you if we if you guys decide to do an untested meet, you're essentially handcuffing us into putting you into the Sheffield meet. Like we just simply can't do it. If they went out and specifically said that, I would actually be okay with that because it's transparency with their rules and being like, guys. We see what's going on with other international lifters and getting into these untested meets and the, the with the, the hopes of getting money. Like, just know we're trying to have the Sheffield go on in 2022, and if you do this, you, we're, we're not going to be able to help you. 
Like gonna, I could, I could, I could agree with it. Like if they did that, I'm going to make one more point backing this possible decision too. Again, assuming this is about Christoph Wurzbicki and not about Sean, Daniela, and Ashton, which it is, it's, assuming it is, it's about Christoph. Have you not had question marks on Christoph a little bit about what he's doing supplementation wise? I had no. He is such a mystery to me. I didn't know he competed IPF until a year and a half ago. Had I mean, no he idea. Was a, he was a question because he comes from a country. Where is he from again? Poland, I think. Christoph Wurzitski sounds very Polish. If I'm right, I'm not stereotyping. <laughs> Just Whatever so- it is, he does. He comes from a He doesn't come from one of the countries that is like very openly clean. Like I would say Britain, I would say Australia, I would say the U.S., and I would say Canada, France as well a little bit. Very openly clean, where there's some question marks with other countries, and. But then, but then, but then, I just always, I mean, I always will trust someone until I don't, but Christoph is so mysterious that I think there's always been some question marks concerning his natty status. And the fact that he went to these other federations and competed for a long time, I could see how the IPF was kind of like, we got to stop Christoph from going back and forth because this is a big question mark and it's kind of sketchy. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like it's, it, so does it come down to whether or not the country is testing him regularly? If he's doing out of meat testing regularly, I, I just, if that's the argument, then it's still hard for me to really buy into it because, okay. So then do you take like Dennis, Dennis, for example, like Dennis can do that entire thing his entire life, right? He can do the current U S open or something. He can do the showdown or something. And he do raw nationals and be like, I don't fucking care about IPF worlds. Like, are we going to make a dentist rule then, if that's the case? Like, try to stop him from doing all these meets? But that's the thing, is one person can screw everyone else over. I mean, that's literally the world. I mean, literally, I mean, that's so many topics we can get into outside of powerlifting that a couple people's decisions can ruin everything for everyone else. But but if he's an IPF lifter, what's stopping them from giving him out of meat testing frequently? Like, right, like, well, I don't don't know, I guess maybe, like... IPF doesn't come over to the U.S. and test us. It's on the USAPL. Yeah. So exactly. So like what? So then it's just. So then you're really just blaming Poland or some shit. It's just I, get, like, I get. I get that it sucks, <laughs> but don't. I almost almost in this. If this is true, that it's all, it's a Kristoff rule. I'm not blaming the IPF, and I'm not blaming uh, uh, the USAPL for sure. Not blaming the USAPL. No. I think we could blame just Poland. <laughs> Like, no, that it'll be a great soundbite from this episode. Me cutting out everything that you said and just say blame Poland. Again, just simply be a a Poland issue. Like that that I don't know. Like it's it it's this is kind of a weird situation where I don't want to rush to blaming I don't want to rush to blaming Poland. I don't well, want to blame anyone. This I don't want to rush to blame really I, anyone here because it's just it's very unsure if it, like I the rule is in place. I don't really necessarily agree with it. Um, I'm not a big fan of the rule, but I understand why it's in play. But if you make that more extreme and you kind of transfer that over to the USAPL where you're potentially hurting guys like Noriega, who, I mean, in spite of all these guys' differences with the USAPL, I am very confident that they're still going to compete within the USAPL and drug-tested lifting well into their futures in the sport. And they will get out of me tested frequently if they are on the IPF world scale or stage. 
Um, I mean, I, I had this argument with someone recently about Russ. Like, if you don't believe, like, Russ gets tested way more than I do. He probably has around 12 to 13 tests, and I have four. Like, these guys are tested quite a bit in America for these out of me testing. And if it's like, if you're going to ramp up that rule when you have so many lifters following it, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I under like the logic makes sense to me. I just can never as a competitor get behind that, especially if it affects a guy like me or like Michael Cole DiPietro or something. I call him, the, I called him the mercenary recently because he's, uh, he's doing drug tested meets. He's doing very few untested meets and he's really just going where he could compete and looking to win some money out of it and or just do the most interesting meet. If he's not able to do power surge, a local meet, that's going to be the problem. And if that's not the case, then then this is going to turn into one of those things where it's not that important. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be, it's just just going to be the same thing. We're just going to need more information about this. and I don't want to rush anything. I mean, like I said, this, I mean, if it's, if it's what I think it is and it's a Kristoff rule, it sucks, but I'll use an example, literally down here in Springfield, it, when the coronavirus first happened, I don't know if we're going to get banned on Apple and Spotify for saying coronavirus, but um, I remember we didn't have strict rules here until some hairstylist went into work sick, got 80 people sick, and then boom, everything had to shut down because one person decided that they were sick and were still going to go to work when all the coronavirus happened. This is kind of the similar thing. Like one person can't follow the rules per se. And so everyone has to get punished because of it. And it sucks. But at the same time, you understand why it had to happen. Maybe. Yeah. I, I guess, I don't know. I, I just, I, I would have to, I mean, this is where I think my ignorance is a little bit there on IPF. Like, just the rankings go and the records go. I'm I'm for certain that he holds IPF records, and I know he can do it in IPF standards, and he has done IPF standards before. But I just was so unaware that he's an IPF lifter, where it's almost like a relevancy thing. It's like this guy just seems to really like to deadlift in multiple federations and deadlift the most amount of way possible. So hell, you know what? Fuck it, ban him. See if he even gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, that would be something where I'd say, like, if this was such an issue with one, if this is really a true thing, if, if it's just one lifter was the issue, why not just make a, just, tell I don't, him he can't do I don't know, Mr. Deadlift. Not affect anyone else. So there's definitely, again, need more information. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe we're even blowing up. Maybe this, maybe it has something to do with Sean, Danielle, and Ashton. I don't think it does. I think that they probably foresaw some things like this happening and it just was coincidental timing. So the IPF, there's probably some things IPF could have done different, but I think we'll probably get some more information as this kind of unfolds and, and talk a lot, a little bit more of kind of this and, and see how this plays out with the showdown. Like, can Sean, Daniela, Julia, and Ashley even do this meet anymore? It's, it's going to be a big question mark. Yeah, it was publicly stated that they will get drug tested too, right, at that meet. Yeah, so, they're getting drug tested. So Yeah, so it's 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 a very strange – it becomes even more strange when that, you know, becomes a factor is – Okay, they they are getting drug tested for your benefit, like for the IPF USAPL benefit. Then it makes you realize that what's the IPF's end goal here? Is it just simply, hey, we don't want you competing at these other meets? Like, like that's that's where I think that's where a lot of people are jumping to right now. And yeah, a lot of speculation here because I have no idea if Mister Deadlift will give a shit if uh, he is banned from the IPF. I'm assu- I'm just. I'm like, I, didn't, I don't even know if he planned to come back. I, I yeah, exactly. Sure. So I was just like, if you ban him, will he be like, I don't, 
okay. His most care. recent videos were on a deadlift bar, so I don't know <laughs> if he even planned to come back or anything. Yeah. Or, or what I would like. I would love to see like I would love to I maybe I'll maybe I'll DM him because I don't know how much English he speaks, but I'll DM him something in Polish and be like, but, hey, if the IPF banned you, would you give a shit? And if he says no, I'm just gonna send it to to uh, Gastelum and be like, hey, just ban the guy. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> just do that instead. But, but I think I close with though. Close with though. This is not the USAPL's fault in any way. No, I don't think about it. I, don't, I really don't think it has anything to do with Sean Aston or Daniela because I don't remember hearing anything much about it. But like every year, we usually hear about this, and I did it this year. Is that all the countries submit proposals, and usually that's when some people are thinking like, "Oh my gosh, the USAPL is going to ban or the IPF is going to ban this because they saw the proposal." The proposal means nothing. There's every year people like throw try and ban arches and things like that, and it's a proposal. Those were probably submitted months and months and months ago before the whole showdown thing. And so those were already submitted. I'm sure this was already in action before the Sean Daniela and Ashton thing happened. So I, I really doubt this had anything to do with it. It's just going to be really coincidental timing. So I would, I would encourage people not to get crazy about that and to be civil. I just don't have much hope that will happen, especially since I don't think untested people listen to two white lights anymore. We got canceled. Hey, hey, so, hey. We had Chad Penson on the show. Maybe he maybe he brought he's our part of our uh 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 what's it called? Public uh public relations uh yeah improvements. We strategy. we still we so we still have a few out there who listen to two white lights, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see the backlash of this because even right now as I as I think about it and as I look at the wording and I and I'm trying to gauge like the people I'm I'm getting like some mixed reactions from the Instagram right now. Because there's people messaging me like, wait, this has been a rule for a very long time. Um, and I, I guess they don't see the possible implications of it, you know, trickling down to raw nationals. But other people being like, fuck the IPF. This is bullshit. Uh, and this is, you know, a reaction to Daniela, you know, Sean and Ashton. It's a, it's a mixed bag right now. So I, I'm curious to see where the outrage is. But right now, and also, but I also see a middle ground here where people are like, I don't care. So, I, I don't care. I'm going to throw one more thing real quick. Apparently also, so I don't want to get into the whole situation, but obviously one, the IPF and world powerlifting do not like each other because of Robert Wilkes. Apparently there's also issues in Australia right now because Robert Wilkes is doing some shady stuff and allegedly, and that might not be going on anymore where everyone's going to switch back to APU. I believe Arian said that Kristoff competed in a world powerlifting meet, which that mm. right there could be a, that right there could be, that could be the reason um, because of the, how big of a conflict that of interest that is with the issues that have happened between the IPF and Robert Wilkes and continued things Robert Wilkes is supposedly doing. Yeah. That's yeah. the one other thing I'll throw out there. If this is, I'm just speculating and throwing out things. Well, we wouldn't be a podcast if we weren't speculating and throwing like things out there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's our that's, that's our journalistic our, duty. That's uh, our framework. Yeah, to just kind of throw you know like some information out there and see what the people want to take that as. But yeah, I'm interesting to see. We could be. I mean, I I think we could also be guilty of this too. What if like you know we uh, like Wednesday, uh, all the untested powerlifters like yeah we don't fucking care about any of this. Like you guys really overestimated our ability to care about what the IPF and USAPL does. Like, oh god, I guess we're yep. the assholes in the situation. Who knows? <laughs> we're throwing them under the bus. 
But we can, but we can soundbite this kind of stuff and being like, hold on, we're saying it right now that it's not the USAPL's fault, and watch the people blame USAPL as it unfolds. We could actually possibly deal with this episode. That's that's the fun part about getting breaking news like 20 minutes before you're about to record and really not being able to gauge like what the uh, what the vibe of the room is. You know, we didn't really get to read the room uh, as far as that, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't be unnecessary for us to, to not, you know, cover it. But, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens Um, in, in just uh, – just a, I would hope there was just more clarification on this because, yeah, this this may affect certain lifters uh, going I would ho- I would hope the USAPL comes out and clarifies this. That would be a very, very good thing, I think. Yeah, I actually might, yeah, I actually might reach out to team more and see what the uh, – what the dealio is with this. But yeah. That would yeah. be a very good thing for Ben to make a statement versus – everyone trying to figure it out. Like, let's hear it from USAPL. So we know, like, let's get, let's get a, one of their executive postings on the webpage. Yeah. So for sure. Um, yeah. With that being, well, with that being said, also uh, a little bit of development, the Arnold seems to be happening March in March. Uh, USAPL has announced that in a newsletter. That's something yeah. to look forward to. Pretty excited yeah. for that. That means, you know, we might get the regular season going again. Uh, none of this, like what the hell do we do in March? kind of thing i have to find a meet or something and yeah it looks like we actually have uh you know uh the, the return in the arnold which is usually the one of the biggest usapl meets some would argue more intense yeah. than nationals at times i i mean i think i mean my favorite meet i think maybe the arnold that i've been to i love that but that's also because the arnold started the production value before nationals did yeah they were that was kind of the origination of it, and now it's leaked into Raw National. So maybe I, I hold that's why I liked it more. Um, Arnold's always been my favorite meet, and I think maybe because it's also a little bit more personal. Like Raw Nats is great, but there's also sometimes just maybe a couple too many people there. Yeah, it's a it's We're almost like a local meet combined with a big invite only meet, Raw Nationals. Because you get like people yeah. from so the many Arnold, qualifying I mean, totals. As a coach, the Arnold is awesome. Everyone there has a coach, and the warrant room is amazing. It's the best warrant room I've ever. I'm sure the world is platform is great too. But in the sense of the professionalism in the warrant room, I, the best meet I've ever been to is the Arnold Bar None. No doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. So excited to see that. Um, that's going to do it for two white lights this week. Uh, we will post the live stream for Collegiate Nationals probably in the bio, just so people can find the stream for Collegiate Nationals because people are already asking me about um the the live stream link so uh yeah we'll probably have that up on the bio uh again we won't do a full recap we'll probably just highlight some of the things that we saw at collegiate nationals that uh that really stuck out to us it stuck out to the fans as well uh maybe maybe a quick interview or two who knows uh depending on the weekend goes for a lot of people but that's gonna do it for two white lights the new brackets will be released monday the male and female championships, as you would call it, the final four. I'm yep. very excited to see that. All right. And we will see you guys on Monday. Peace.